Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, dear listeners. In today's flashback episode, I'm joined by Cameron Diaz and her business partner, Catherine Power, to talk about life, relationships, and the genesis of their organic wine company, Aveline. Here's Cameron and Catherine. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Thank you guys so much for doing my podcast. Thanks for having us. Cameron, I did want to tell you something really quickly, though. Sure. Which is a little fangirly. When I watched you in Charlie's Angels, I had this revelation of like, oh my God, if she's having so much fun, that means all of us as an audience are having a blast. Yeah. And kind of taking that spirit. If I'm having fun, they're bound to have fun. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because it... It really is that. It's a translation. It's like being in the room with somebody. It's like if you're having a good time, what you're putting off is more likely to be infectious to people, that energy. The same as like going into a room and being the total dick. Like everybody's like, <laughs> you know, like walking around like on eggshells, you know, uh, we all know those people. But yeah, it's about having a good time and letting people have a good time with you. Well, thank you, though. That has been like a huge lesson for me. Well, I always have a great time watching you. I'm always like, she's just having a good time. Thanks. Not always. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. I do. <laughs> You're acting that yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put on my Cameron Diaz. There you go. <laughs> so we recently went back to our original format where we talk with our listeners and try to offer them advice on various topics. And we are going to talk with Erica first. Hi, Erica. Hi. I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh, don't be. Don't be. I'm here with Catherine and Cameron. And I know it is a lot, though. It's a lot for me. My heart was pounding <laughs> before they got on. I'm like, oh, God. Erica, the three of us read your letter, but will you tell our listeners what's going on? Yes, I will. Um, I wrote in because I just recently got out of a six-year relationship. Um, I'm 25. And one of the issues in the relationship that ended it, with it ending was because of our sex life. And it just wasn't, wasn't great. And it had gotten worse over the last couple of years of the relationship. And I just kind of left the relationship feeling really confused and kind of undesirable. And, you know, now that I'm 25 and I feel like I kind of have to start over and I just don't really know how to rediscover myself, regain confidence and especially when I'm like, now I'm kind of scared of what's out there and I'm scared of going back out there and just kind of scared of men in general. So I just was looking for advice on how to take a fresh start, how to find yourself again. Oh, I'm sorry. Heartbreak is rough. It's kind of interesting and weirdly maybe comforting that your sex life, there was a downward trajectory. Mm -hmm. Cameron, Catherine, how does one get over heartbreak? Well, first off, you're 25, yeah. so you're really lucky because you're so young. <laughs> and this is part of life, especially being 25. I was going to say, like, yeah. I would be worried about somebody getting married to someone that at 25 that they had dated for six years. Like, this is when you start to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we look at sex and we are inundated with what sexuality, sex looks like between men and women and inundated with just in daily life, you know, hypersexualization of women that we're supposed to look and be a certain way to be attractive to men. 
men have gotten this idea that women are supposed to be attracted to women that look that way because it's in their face as well. And really what a sexual relationship with a partner really is about is intimacy. You know, whatever that looks like, whatever that reveal to one another is, it could be hypersexualized. It can be something that is like overtly sexual in a relationship or in the bedroom, but it's also about revealing yourself to another person and feeling safe to do so and for it to be reciprocated, not for one person to be holding back something about themselves and not revealing what they desire or what they want or how they feel or what they're afraid of. And this is the thing that we don't realize. We're not taught this about sexuality, about our relationships with our partners sexually, is that really it's just about intimacy. And that's scary. I mean, revealing yourself is terrifying. And I think especially at a young age, you're not even aware of (laughs) yourself yet. You're not even certain what your fears are or what you like or what you might connect with another person. And you certainly can't do that if they're not willing to receive and they're not willing to reciprocate. So that's a journey. That's going to take a long time possibly for you to find that with somebody. But the thing that you definitely need to do is find somebody who's willing to do the same as you. Like you can't do it on your own. You can practice it. You can be in a relationship and practice being vulnerable and it may not be received, but at least you're doing it. At least you're strengthening that muscle of displaying your vulnerability. And if that person's not receiving it, they're not capable of it. You just move on and you find somebody who can. Cameron, shit, you're so good at this. I'm to cut you off. Yeah, you kind of read my mind. That's kind of exactly what happened. I like I did really try to be really vulnerable in the relationship and talk to him about it openly and try to just have conversations with him where I said, you know, like there's no shame. Like let's just work on this and figure it out. But it just wasn't reciprocated. And by the end, he was kind of interested in somebody else. And like, I gave it my best and I tried and it it just didn't work out. And so now it just feels, it feels confusing to do all of that and still not get anything back. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And I would guarantee that this is about a lot more than sex. Mm -hmm. You know, at your age, when you come to that age, You start to settle into what you like, what's important, and you just kind of start to find your groove. And I'm not surprised to see a relationship that started at 19 end at 25 because that's that time period. It could just be not the right fit. And I think sometimes we look for areas where we can try to articulate something going wrong when it's just a feeling. It just might be you're not grooving with each other. And the person that you should spend your life with or be in a, a long relationship with it should just feel right. It should feel really easy. And if it's not feeling right for one or both of you, it's time to end it. And I would guarantee you that it's it's just kind of not the right fit. Yeah. I don't think it's about sex specifically. Yeah. I think we also, 19 to 25, you're changing so much. You're learning so much about yourself. And it's about growth. And if you guys are not growing together, you know, you can both be growing, but you can be growing apart, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can keep sort of a parallel growth. But Like she said, it's not surprising because you're so young, but also just learning to know yourself. Like take the time. Forget about a relationship right now. Just take the time at this age to learn about yourself, to go and like dive into your truths and what it is that you like. Forget about him. Forget about what didn't work between you guys Mm -hmm. and what you could have done different or maybe what you could have been more for him. It doesn't have anything to do with you. His desires or lack of interest or whatever, that's his journey. Like, let that go. Like, move on, you know? Just get your own truth. Understand yourself better. That way you have something to offer to somebody going forward. You know, it's that rearview mirror. If you're looking in the rearview mirror, you're not looking at the road. Try to get to a destination only looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to crash, Yeah, You know, so just keep looking forward. You could think about it as an exciting, fresh start where you can now figure out what are your relationship goals? You know, what do you want out of a partner? And then make sure you're going and you're getting that exact thing. Right. Because I don't think you even know that because you've just been in this relationship for so long. Mm -hmm. So I would try to look at it as a fresh start and 
you are a young, beautiful woman who's going to have, you know, five years from now when you're in another relationship, you're going to say, oh, thank God. Like I, you know, thank, <laughs> thank God, God that we were able to, <laughs> to cut ties and go in different directions because now look where I am. I guarantee it. And really, truly happiness is about self-esteem. Love yourself. Do not beat yourself up. Know your value. Love who you are. Don't apologize for it. You know, not to say that we don't all have character traits that we need to be self-aware of because they can definitely intrude on other people. Just take this time to become self-aware and make sure that you're taking care of your self-esteem and your own self-value. You guys are both so good at this. This is the <laughs> quietest I think I've ever been. Well, we've done a lot of therapy. Yeah, we've done a lot of therapy. <laughs> and I love exactly what you're saying. I would have been like, oh, you know, like sort of chewing on the heartbreak a little bit. But it is pointless. We do tend to romanticize, for better or for worse, our relationships mm-hmm. and dwell on them. I love it that you guys are like, move on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. So how does that sound, Erica? Yeah, it feels really positive and it it is really reassuring. You know, I just, I think maybe right now I'm just not feeling the confidence and like the self-esteem that I need and I'll just, we'll have to keep working on that, I guess. And it takes time, but you'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. It just, this feels like a hard in between time. I agree with Cameron and Catherine that you should use this time for kind of, getting to know yourself better. And 25 is a good time to start figuring out what you really want in a partner. Mm-hmm. Erica, this sounds like super simple advice, but try giving a stranger a compliment like once or twice a week. Little things like that will help sort of nurture that side of you that will bring you some like minor joy under the weight of the breakup. Yeah, that's really sweet. Thanks so much for talking with us, Erica. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Erica. Yeah, it was awesome to meet you guys and talk to you guys. <laughs> you as well. Thank you. Bye, Erica. Bye. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are unbelievable. <laughs> that was just awesome. We've been through it. <laughs> well, you know, and a lot of my podcast guests are like people in their 20s, mm-hmm. and I'm 44. And Cameron, I think I heard an interview where you were talking about sort of, I don't know if you put it as the liberation of 40, mm-hmm. but yeah, I really enjoy this decade. So, yeah, it's so yeah. great. It's so great. The 40s are the best. I can't wait. I'm one year away from the 50. <laughs> I can't wait. I was telling my husband that I'm going to make an awesome 93-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are just going to love me. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, today I had a little bit of a fantasy, or maybe it was last night. I was like, you know what I should do? I should just go live on Capri. Like, be one of those old Italian women that only have, like, a certain area of the world that they occupy and they shuffle up and down the street and they carry their groceries every day and they look out the window, they know everybody and they have a cat that comes and goes. I love this. Like, how does that happen? it can be done. Yeah, it can be done, Cameron. I think we should all do it together. I know, right? We need a little community of expats on Capri. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
Yes, please. That would be incredible. I do think this last year I've been reflective kind of for the first time in my life a little bit and sort of a shift in priorities. I think a lot of people experienced that. For sure. A thousand percent. (laughs) I think that that was the silver lining of the whole experience, the whole moment in time in history. Okay, before we talk with our next listener, I have a few questions for you guys. First, how old were you when you really thought you were in love? Oh, gosh, nine years old. I nine think. years old? <laughs> I feel like, the same way. I was like, I have diaries. I was like 19. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I thought I was in love with a boy in kindergarten, you know? Like, right. Like, cart crushing love. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely had crushes on boys, but yeah. it was never that. But like in love, like relationship kind of situation? Yeah, like for me, I feel like for most people, like that raw intensity love where you're like, I Mm -hmm. might die. Mm -hmm. I feel like that tends to happen between like 16 and 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also the heartbreaks are like physical. Physical. At that time, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I had a heartbreak when I was 16 into 17. And you know what was so wild is like anytime I would go back to that moment, I would like crumble, like even into my 40s. Like I had like a visceral feeling of like the heartbreak. And my therapist took me back in a little time vessel of like going back to that 16-year-old who couldn't carry the basket of laundry because she fell on the floor and was like catatonic, hysterical because her heart was breaking. And just let her know that she's going to be okay and that, you know, there's nothing she could do and this is part of life and you're going to be okay. It literally healed that moment. And from that moment on, I never cried once again or can't even muster up the feeling again. That's good. I also think, too, at that age, I don't know if you felt this way, Cameron, but it's so much less about the partner, the other person, because we're so consumed with oneself, I think. Or at least I just had really bad, bad judgment. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just all new. You know what I mean? You're having just like first experiences. Yeah. I I think it, and it's part of, you know, self discovery and Mm -hmm. development. And yeah, it is often so focused on oneself. But that's kind of the point of going through it so that you can separate those feelings from like what's real later on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been married twice before. And for me, I think in my 20s, it was, I was in this new big city. And that felt like the one part of my life I could maybe control. I remember when I got engaged, I didn't want to call my parents and tell them. I was like, oh, God. And I'm kind of bummed, too. <laughs> 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 and yet, still did it. Yeah. (laughs) I think that there's, I mean, it's becoming less and less now, but I think there certainly was a societal sort of norm that we kind of grew up with at our ages where, you know, there was still like, you know, you get married and you have kids. That's sort of your path. And especially if you have, for me, I had parents who got married at 18 and 19 and had kids right away. And, you know, my mom was 19 and 22 and she had her kids, you know. So I always thought I was going to be married and have kids by the time I was 22. I would have two kids and be married. Yeah. And then I was 22. I was like, what the fuck? Why would I ever do that? Why would I do that? You know what I mean? I just realized because my parents didn't have other options. You know, I had all these other opportunities that my parents didn't have. And I was like, that's not for me. You know, I want to go and do things that I have these opportunities to do. And being married doesn't really help me maximize that experience, you know? Yeah. I think when I was younger, I maybe just went along with it because it seemed easier Okay, wait. So speaking of weddings, I think Gina is on the line. You guys read her letter. Are you ready? Sure. Sure. Love a little wedding drama. Weddings are a big topic on this podcast. Really a waste of money and energy and what a scam that industry has going. I just eloped and we had the best time. Gina. Hi. Gina, you are here with Cameron and Catherine. 
Hi. Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for writing to us. Will you tell our listeners what's going on? No, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening for a long time, so this is really exciting. So I just recently got engaged, and one of the issues that's come up, but also been something that's been weighing on my mind for the last even year, is my dad's wife. She's an alcoholic. I don't think she would admit that, but we all know she's an alcoholic. And both of my older brothers are married, and she caused a scene at one of the weddings being there and then not even being there. She still managed to cause issues. She was the reason my dad left my mom. So obviously that causes some major issues just with that factor. So my first brother got married like 10 years ago and she was not invited to the wedding because the divorce had like just happened. And so when she wasn't there, my dad was obviously upset about that and got into a fight with my other brother about it. And then he refused to even come to the reception because she wasn't invited. So then last year, my other brother got married and she was drunk and lost her purse and proceeded to accuse my brother's brand new in-laws and like close friends and family of stealing her purse. I don't need to hear anything more. Okay. So this is like drama. Obviously this person is, has issues. And also your father obviously is an issue. I'm sure you probably need to do a lot of therapy about that because your father clearly is not honoring any of you. First cheating on your mother, then pushing a woman into your life that you don't want in your life, who was the reason that he, you know, utilized to get out of the marriage from your mother. But I'm just going to say this. Your marriage is about you. Your wedding is about Mm -hmm. you. It's not about your dad. It's not about his wife. And if your father cannot put you before himself or his wife to honor you on the day that's one of the most important days of your life, to come forward in a ceremony to join you and your husband, that's what it's about. It's about who you want to be present for that ceremony, to witness that. It's about your community who's going to help the two of you remember what you said to one another, Mm -hmm. to be your support team when the time gets difficult. That woman is not a person who you're going to go to. Maybe not even your father is going to be that person. Let go of like the idea of what a wedding is supposed to be about for everybody Uh else and think about what you want it to be for you. Right. I think it's hard because I do want my dad there. And sometimes it seems like he's starting to kind of understand like where we're at. And like, perfect example of my brother's wedding was like that night he was understanding of like, what is this? He's like, you don't have to see her again. Don't worry about it. But then the next day is like, someone did steal. I'm like, oh yeah. Who was it? Our best friends of 20 years or the in-laws like really like are you insane? So I do want my dad there. Like I hear what you're saying, but I do want my dad there. I mean, he has changed in the last 10 years and I do want him to walk me down the aisle. And it's hard because I feel like if I choose to not have her there or not have him there, what effect does that have even for the rest of my life moving forward? Well, just have a conversation with your dad, sit him down with him and say, Hey dad, look at what means so much to me as your daughter is to have you take me down the aisle. I want that. That is a gift I'm asking you to give me, but I'm also asking you to please leave her at home. Yeah. I'm asking you to not bring her because I need you to respect me, honor me, not make this about you, not make this about her, but please make it about me and don't punish me for it. That is not a healthy relationship to have with your daughter. That's not fair to do to your daughter. We're adults. This is a reasonable request Mm -hmm. and you need to honor me. Yeah. Gina, how does your mom play into this? Like, how would she feel? Because the other alternative is to be like, fuck it. I'm just going to like expect the worst and have a great time with these other people. So I'm, my mom is like my best friend. So she's would fully support. I mean, she actually prefers she was not there because she obviously does not like this person. Yeah. And so I've thought about it. And I've like talked with my fiance about it. I'm like, I can go like one or a couple ways. Either she's not invited at all, or we like kind of lay down some ground rules of like, first off, you don't speak to my mother for any reason. There's no reason for you to talk to her. You don't drink. And if she drinks, which we know she will, because she'll show up drunk, then you can leave. So it's like kind of giving her the opportunity. But then on the other hand, like why give someone an opportunity? Yeah. You don't want to be policing that. And it's sad because it's like, I know she's going to do it. That's inevitable. She's proven time and time again, that that's what she does. And I don't want the conversation the next day, the next year to be like, oh, remember what she did at your wedding? Like, that's not fair to my brother and his now wife. One of the things that's really important, I think that I've learned over my lifetime that I've worked on consistently 
and I think that adds such great value to my life and to my relationships is to learning to set mm-hmm. boundaries that I don't let other people cross, that mm-hmm. I protect myself from mm-hmm. other people's crap, basically. Mm-hmm. And you got to practice that. And you have to practice it in moments in life that are important to you, such as a wedding, you know, where you say, I deserve this. I deserve to have the wedding. I'm spending the money. Me and my fiance, it's our money. It's our investment. It's our time. It's our friends. It's our ceremony. It's our bonding. And Mm -hmm. it is up to me. Everything's my decision. What ecosystem I want to create for this moment. And I'm going to draw this boundary and I'm going to stick to it. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. And when you really give yourself that permission and you really like draw that boundary and anytime somebody starts to step over, you go, oh, I'm sorry, you're stepping over my boundary. Right. It's okay because I did this for myself. I created this for myself and I Mm -hmm. deserve it Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take it and I'm not going to apologize for it. Right. And we shouldn't apologize for our boundaries. We shouldn't. No, I do think she has to be prepared, though. You have to be prepared in the worst case scenario where your dad says, she's not going, I'm not going. Even if he doesn't say that in that first conversation, he's going to go home. They're going to have weeks to discuss it. She's the person he wakes up to every day. And there's a chance that as a result of your boundary, he's not going to come. Right. And so you have to be prepared for that. But remember, that's your boundary. You decided that. You decided it's okay if he doesn't come because you feel so strongly about this boundary. And I think like I've kind of prepared for like I'm expecting that just because again, history has shown that he'll take our side one minute and then the next he's not. So I'm like, you know what? I have two great older brothers. They'll step in. Yes. But it's also like, again, one of the most important days of my life and to have that like possibly come up. And again, what does that mean for the rest of our life? Like, is that going to be like a total cutout, which if it's her, I don't really care. I don't need to see her ever again. But if it's my dad, like it's still my dad. I totally think both Catherine and Cameron are right. I do think Catherine's point of like your dad, Mm -hmm. like there's going to be this ripple effect of you're causing a lot of stress between me and my wife, Mm -hmm. whatever, like she'll be good or this is devastating her, whatever he will say to you. The initial conversation is important, like what Cameron was suggesting. I think timing, you know, make sure that you're feeling all right and you're getting the sense that he's feeling all right. But I would say all the reasons that it's important to him, but I would also say, like, let's call her Janice. As you know, I've had a lot of raw feelings about Janice, and I know this is going to be really difficult for you. But you have to understand that this is incredibly important to me. And I don't mean to hurt you at all. I am protecting myself from feeling unhappy that day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when, I mean, like Catherine's point about like, you know, him dealing with the ripple effect with her, but I'm like, but what about the ripple effect of me, like having her there? So it's like, at what point does he need to protect me? Totally. That's what I'm just going to say. This goes back to, again, the boundary, the boundary, mm-hmm. because listen, people step up. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you give him free reign to make his decisions, you know, he's going to be making those decisions based off the fact that he can demand that she comes and you'll say, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then whether or not he comes comes off of what he says his boundaries are to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so you acquiesce to his boundaries, to, you know, what he says he needs from you for him to show up, Mm -hmm. right? But really, this is about what you need from him for you to have him there, right? Right. So he has to decide whether or not the boundary you have drawn for him to be there is something he can accept because this isn't about him, it's about you. It's not about you accepting his terms. It's about him accepting your terms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because this is about you. 
So like you can say and whatever you can apologize that this might hurt his feelings because I don't think I need to apologize. I don't think so either. I think I need to learn from Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like I'm like bringing up like old issues. and I'm like, yeah, I'm still mad that you left mom for her 10 years, like whatever, over 10 years ago. It's not me like holding on to that with a smile on your face. Say, dad, I love you. I'm so excited about you coming and walking me down the aisle. It would mean the world to me if you could show up. I just want to let you know that for you to come and do that, I need for Janice Mm -hmm. to not come. Janice is not invited to the ceremony or to the party. You are. She's not. And I would love for you to walk me down the aisle. Just get back to me and let me know if you can do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel like I know what you guys are going to say, but would it be terrible to be like, I'll go 50 50 and she can come to the ceremony, but then she can leave like a child or? Nope. I mean, that's that's no. what I was going to say, but I just worry like, what if they don't she's leave? She's going to create a but whole. She's not going to leave. Maybe, he maybe leave. he could just come for the ceremony. Yeah, and then go. if he feels uncomfortable being there yeah, without a date, a like, idea. just have him go. I think either way, Post this day, you're going to have a very different relationship with your father. Yeah, good or bad. I guess that's the question I have. Do you try to just ignore Janice and give your dad that gift? Otherwise, you might be feeling the effects of this decision for a long time. That's the thing that you're going to have to, right. to really work through because after this conversation, it's really never going to be the same. And that's the if loss. He, if he chooses okay? not to show up for you. I mean, I think if he does the right thing and shows up, I don't really care what my relationship was with her. I really don't. Like, I mean, I never have to see her again. I'm totally fine. But, you know, I don't want to make him uncomfortable. But it's also kind of like, at what point are you going to stand up to your wife, stick up for your children? Like, even though we're adults, we're yeah. we're still your children. That's the point. And I think you really want to see that. Yeah. And if you don't see that, that's really sad. But that is what it is. And you're about to start mm-hmm. a whole new life. And that's kind of what a mm-hmm. wedding represents. It's a picture representing what you want the rest of your life to look like. And I remember when I got married, someone said to me, because we were debating whether to invite these friends that you know you knew when you were 12, but yeah. you never speak to anymore versus somebody you just met who mm-hmm. you really like. And they said to me, don't worry about inviting the people that you have been friends with. Worry about inviting the people that you want to be friends with. And so that allowed me to invite someone I barely knew who... 10 years later is now one of my best friends. And that was so representative of that's what I want my future life to look like. Let go of the past. My relationships with those Mm -hmm. people are what they are. And you got to just focus on the future. You're getting married. You're going to build your own family Mm -hmm. and it's going to be great. And this is just an awkward time. Yeah. That was such good advice. Yeah. It's so good. Because I feel like the first thing that happens after an engagement is like you're making the guest list. And then you're starting to argue about that because it's like, why does your soccer coach have to, like, what? You know, and I love, like, thinking about who, like, instinctually, what happy face do I want to see? Yeah. Who do you want in your life? Yeah. Who's that support team? Who's going to be your tribe that supports your Mm -hmm. marriage, you know? Yeah. You know what? A lot of times, like, I found that my husband and I, after we got married, we all of a sudden found all these married couples that weren't at our wedding, Mm -hmm. but who are our biggest support group. You know, those are the people that we are with all the time because... We don't hang out with our single friends anymore because our lives are so different, you know? But we were single when we met, so we have all these friends, you know? Also, just remember your dad is a human being, and he's flawed. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to be self-aware. And if he's still making the same decisions over and over again, it's because he hasn't done any work to make anything different about himself you know, and that's something you can't change. There's nothing you can do And there's that. nothing you can say to him that's going to help him see your side of things. If he's still 10 years later or whatever it is, you know, with this woman still having these conversations with his children where he feels, you know, betrayed or as if you guys are not accepting this woman. If he still believes that you guys need to accept her and nobody's done the work. We've all tried, but it's just kind of been within the last year where we're just like, we're done. I mean, I got into a fight with her a month ago. I'm like, about something stupid. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, at what point is, yeah, it's just done. The problem with alcoholism 
you know, alcoholics is that there is zero self-awareness. Oh, yeah. Because you cannot be self-aware when you're drunk, especially if you're a long-term alcoholic. You know, you don't remember anything. You only remember the fighting points, right? <laughs> that, right. That, of survival. You don't take in the nuances of experience and emotion past, you know, what alcohol just allows you to experience. Yeah, absolutely. If your dad decided not to go, how would you feel? It will hurt, you know, but I think I just have to be prepared for it because I know that it could go 50-50. I even know the day of he could decide not to show up because she's not there. You know, I mean, that's the sad part of it is that could happen. And all of that will bring some level of grief for you. But remember, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to grieve it. I think you will have to give yourself the opportunity and time to grieve that because it's a little bit of a death, you know, but it's a day of celebration. So do everything that you can do. And that's why Mm -hmm. I say a boundary is such a protective space because you're going in ahead of it, knowing that you have created a space for yourself to feel safe and happy and celebrate and give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to do so and not allowing other people's issues to step over the line onto that moment in your time, your experience in life. And I think as Cameron also said, you got to let go of the idea of what you think the ideal wedding is supposed to look like and what you think even the ideal family is supposed Mm -hmm. to look like. Because as an adult, you realize you have no control over that and it is what it is. Right. And so it's really getting comfortable with that, that most families have issues There's very few where you can say, that's my idea of what a family should look like. And maybe this is going to be the new reality of what your family looks like. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I choose not to involve myself too often with them. I mean, my core family is like my mom and her significant other and my brothers and their wives and my fiance. So it's not too big a part of my life, but it's still going to be something strange. And also kind of just like time to stand up for myself to be like, listen, I've had this person rule whatever for the last 12 years, purposely and not purposely. It's taken over my life, my brother's lives, my mom's life. And I feel like this would be like, a, we're done. Like, so it's not just a boundary for the wedding. It's kind of like moving forward, like a boundary for the rest of our lives. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and you know what? Your dad might, over a period of time, you know, he might just like be kicking himself going, how could I have ever allowed that? You never know how people evolve and maybe he'll never get there. But that's the thing. You can't worry about either way. You just have to take care of yourself in the moment. Is there anybody, I know your brothers are close to you, but has anyone been sort of like a father figure to you or showed up for you in a way that your father hasn't been able to? I've never felt like, I mean, he was, I mean, a big part of my life. I was 22 when they divorced. So it wasn't like he was absent. I mean, he was my soccer coach until I was 18 years old. So it's not like he was like, not like a round figure. He was, I don't ever felt like I needed like a father figure replacement. Like I said earlier, like my mom and I are closer than we should be probably, but she's kind of has always filled my parental void. Of course. Okay. There is another version of this where everyone gets drunk and just has a crazy time. (laughs) (laughs) I just want it to be an awesome day for you. You know, whether they come or not, I just want you to focus on your husband and hopefully you can ignore all of the nonsense. I'm excited for you to set that boundary and I'm excited for your future. Yeah, me too. I'm terrified to set that boundary, but I know it has to happen. It's going to so. feel so good. Yeah. It's going to yeah. feel so good. And it's it's just reaffirming because I think, again, I knew I had like kind of two ways I could take this. It's just nice to hear from total outside observers being like, absolutely. No, but because you know what? If the boundaries that she has to uphold are ones that are like, she's already inside the party, you know what I mean? And it's left for her to have to police herself. She's not going to do it. She's not she going. can't. She's incapable. You're absolutely right. But if you put this at the boundary that there's just no entrance, it doesn't matter. Let her flail about. Let her do what she's going to do. Let her like leave a voice message or message or send a text or, you know, whatever it might be. It's outside of your day. Yep. You're absolutely right. Gina, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. I know it's going to be an awesome day. It really will be. You're going to just thank look you. into your husband's eyes and be like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anna, Catherine, and Cameron. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Gina. Thank you so much. Good luck. Bye. Bye. You 
both were so great talking with our listeners. You have a great perspective. That was really hard. So you're both married. Will you tell me how you met your husbands? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I met mine through my now sister-in-law and brother-in-law. I met them first. And then they didn't set us up, but we were in the same room because of them. And then we found each other. Were you instantly drawn? I was like, how come I didn't see him before? <laughs> I was like, I was like mm. Which is funny because you saw his twin brother. Oh. But. Wasn't the same. Yeah. Mm-mm. Wasn't. It's not the same. It's, they're, they're not totally the same. Totally different, they're even so though they're different. identical twins. Yeah, they, you know, even though they're twins, they're very, very different, obviously. But, yeah, I just, I saw him walking towards me and I was like, huh, he's hot. I haven't seen him before. I love that. But then when I saw him, like who he was, that's what made me really be like, oh, you, you, you're special. Like you're the guy, you're the hidden gem in my life. (laughs) I love that. How about you, Catherine? I met Um, my husband through one of my business partners. She went to college with him. So very basic story. Okay, wait, tell me about wine. Well, we created a wine brand called Aveline, which is a clean brand that is made with organic grapes, very low intervention without the unwanted additives that are found in many commercial wines. And it's just clean, delicious wine, super accessible across the United States. We're in about 5,000 different retailers. It's also for sale on Mm drinkaveline.com. Yeah, you know, we realized we had never questioned what was in wine because we both had always just thought it was like fermented grapes very naively. But, you know, because everything is an industry, wine is governed by TTB, not the FDA. There is no requirement for labeling of ingredients. So if you turn the bottle around, there's no list of ingredients in a bottle. And we found out that there was over 73 ingredients that could be added to making wine. And that kind of blew our minds. And we questioned Without well, any transparency. With no transparency. Or disclosure. Yeah. And, you know, so we were like, well, how can we tell? There's no way of telling. I mean, you can go on so many websites of wines that you love, and there's no list of ingredients, there's not any sort of Really no information no. at all besides Not even the if varietal, it's organic, organic. The vintage, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. today's consumer really wants to know what they're putting in their body, mm-hmm. right? We've cleaned up every aspect of our life, you yeah. know, from groceries to skincare. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. We just personally started questioning what was in the bottle and it set us out on a journey. And, you know, what we learned was very surprising. So we felt compelled to create a product that was clean and transparent and started with organic grapes so that at least if you're drinking wine, you could feel better about that decision. What advice or what have you learned about entrepreneurship over the course of this? Well, Catherine has several companies that she started. Who, What Where was her first business that she started, what, 15 years ago? Then you have Merit. I've got a color cosmetics brand called Merit and a skincare brand called Versed. So clean. So I've built a lot of businesses, but learning. So we want to partner with you, Catherine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but honestly, like this business was unlike any other business. It's like learning a foreign language between, you know, the regulations and the specific laws around alcohol. It's just a very old fashioned industry. So we we really knew nothing about it. Do you mean that in like a legality sense? Yes. Yes. In a structural, very antiquated. The laws that are there have been there and they haven't really changed. And every state has a different law, you know, regarding alcohol. So you have to, for every state that you're in to get a license, you have to acquiesce to what their their laws are. So it's very yes, it's interesting. I mean, I know it's a basic question. Overall, I'm sure there, there were times that were tough that felt like roadblocks. I don't know. And then kind of overcoming those or, you know, getting a sense of ingenuity or whatever. Are you guys at a place where it's like this journey has been rad? Oh, the whole time it's been so much. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like where Cameron and I get excited when there's a roadblock mm-hmm. and we like to figure out a way, you know, we're like puzzle people, problem solvers. <laughs> so we don't like no to us just means like go around this yeah, person yeah. and 
find a different path. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and we're only just, we just hit a year old as a brand and, you know, there will be many more roadblocks ahead, Mm -hmm. but that's what makes business interesting. And we're just so excited that the consumer's response has been what it's been because we just had this feeling three years ago that this was going to become a larger trend, you know, sort of the cleaning up of adult beverage and the timing has just been right. And we're really excited to see this big community kind of build around the brand. Do you have advice, either the best or worst advice, perhaps, that you've been given? I think one piece of advice that I talk about a lot is just that sometimes you just have to get it done. So I think I see a lot of entrepreneurs who wait for the perfect time, the perfect amount of funding, the perfect partner, the perfect graphic design, whatever it is. And they don't put their product out in market or they don't get to the finish line on starting a business. And it's like sometimes you just have to get there, whatever it takes. And then after you can kind of catch up, learn what you need to learn, perfect what you need to do. But you've got to just get out there and do something. I think that's great advice. You know, for me, it was a complete change. You know, I stopped acting and then Catherine and I became friends just really at the beginning of that. And when this came along, this sort of idea was like, I really don't know anything about it. But the cool thing was like, okay, first off, she knows everything about building a business, but to be able to do it with her in a category that she didn't know either or understand was really incredible because I got to see the process of solving problems within a business And it really just is a skill set. Like you can apply it from any other problem solve. You just have to ask the questions. You have to gather the information. You have to figure out the puzzle of like, how do we find our way to what our next step is to keep moving it forward? Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, the funnest part of doing it and creating a product that we both just loved. Yeah, that we love. We're so excited. We made this like at least once a week. I look and I'm drinking a bottle of Aveline and I text Cameron to say like, thank God we made this. I know, thank God. Because what would I be drinking? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just, it's we very love it. cool. What a great feeling though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I also love all of her other products too. I use everything she makes. <laughs> That's just incredible. I really hope someday we can be in Capri yeah. drinking some Aveline. Me too. Yeah. What talent or ability would you most like to have? I've always wished I could sing. Yeah. I wish I could, like, I don't know, like, I have ADD, which I know works for me in so many ways. But I just like to know one time what it feels like to, like, not have that process of thought. To be, like, totally focused. Yeah. You know, like, I'd love to just kind of be like, oh, what's... Because I can't. I just don't have the ability to just be like right in here. It's like I can be there, but I got to go do something else really yeah. quick and then come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so Yeah, I'm with you. I wish I was diligent enough to like practice my very base level Italian. that's a good one yeah I wish I could speak yeah yeah I wish I could a couple of foreign languages yeah Yeah. I don't have the chip though just don't have it Catherine do you have children do you mind my asking I do I have a four-year-old you both have one child each right? yes was there anything when you were pregnant that frightened you with the concept of motherhood oh the whole thing I mean you don't really realize what it is until you have the baby so I think you don't know what's coming with your first child when you're pregnant. So I think in some ways that was kind of ignorance is bliss. And I'm just trying to get through being pregnant because I was super sick. But, you know, you just realize when this person comes out that you're responsible for everything from their health to their happiness to their confidence. It's just, it's a lot. And you sort of did it to yourself, right? (laughs) And to them. (laughs) And and to them. And then you feel responsible and like the world is a tough place. And that's kind of what worries me is just that life is hard, even when you're really blessed and really privileged, you know. There's so many different things you go through in life and just being responsible for another person's journey is pretty scary. Totally agree. And then I think you kind of get numb to it. My son just turned nine. Like you're nervous all the time, but you've learned to live with sort of the low level. Somebody said to me, once you have a child, 
you never again have peace of mind. Never again. Mm -hmm. So when I was pregnant, that didn't resonate with me. But once that child is born, you can never truly be at ease because that person is always out there. You know, maybe that first hour where he's asleep at night and I'm not asleep and I just sit there. That's like my most relaxing hour of the day because I know where he is and he's safe and he's asleep. But it's the loss of peace of mind. Completely. And I don't know if it's gotten better or worse. I mean, in terms of just my own personal, like learning to live with it, that's definitely under control. But like at every age, he's nine, like he can cross the road, but God. You know, it's funny because like, you know, I look at even my nieces and nephew who are grown now, you know, my sister and I grew up so differently than them. You know, both our parents worked, we were latchkey kids, we were we had a level of self-reliance that kids don't have to Cameron's have. Cameron's in the woods. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The streets of, the streets of the, exactly, streets of Long Beach. You know, there's like, I grew up with that my whole life. Like, it was always that way, right? So if your kid doesn't have that from the beginning, they're not building that skill set, that vigilance that it takes to survive that, Right. So how do you instill that vigilance and awareness of the world if you're not letting them go into the world? But if you let them go into the world, then you can't protect them from the world. You have to rely on their vigilance, right? So like, how do you strike that balance of letting them be able to be self-reliant, to trust their instincts if you don't just let them do it? It's the little tasks on a daily basis. And then the information about like the world in a way that's like, You know, I remember my dad always saying like, and I think a lot of parents feel this way, but it's just how it's delivered. It's sort of like, you know, I'm going to teach you this lesson because the world's going to teach it to you a lot harsher kind of thing. Right. 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 So what does that look like in this day and age? What does that information Mm -hmm. look like? How is it given? What is your own personal tolerance of the suffering that your child is going to have to actually experience Mm -hmm. in life? In any given moment, the smallest to the biggest, like we think that our children are a part of us in a way that is not separate, but they are separate. They're Mm -hmm. not us. They are their own people. And to honor that autonomy is so important. You guys, thank you so much for spending all this time with us and for your wonderful advice. Thank you for having the podcast and bringing us in on it. We really, really appreciate it. And congratulations on everything. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Great to meet you. Bye.